So anyways, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Money points ever. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please uh, for this afternoon's feature attraction. From the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, this is Aspect Radio. I'm Ben Flanagan. And I'm Corey Kraft. Ben, we've been discussing Christopher Nolan's inception on this show for what seems like the entire time we've been hosting it. If I recall correctly, Inception, Nolan's follow-up to 2008's critical and commercial smash hit The Dark Knight, was our unanimous choice for most anticipated film of summer 2010. Based solely on what was basically a one-line premise and a few stunning but ambiguous images from a teaser trailer. It's fair to say that coming into this film, you and I both, whether by conscious effort to stay uninformed or the elliptical nature of the marketing, had no idea what to expect. Which is fine, but Inception, much to my surprise as I was watching it, is a pretty straightforward narrative for Nolan without the twists and puzzling surprises of the prestige or memento. There's no gotcha moment or big revelation. Once you get the basic premise of the film, it's all about exploring that premise and pushing the limits of reality. So in Inception, Leonardo DiCaprio stars as Dom Cobb, leader of a team of dream thieves who are skilled at pulling off a very specific type of heist, stealing ideas from sleeping business executives by manipulating their subconsciouses in their dreams. As the film begins, one of these targets, played by Ken Watanabe, hires Cobb and his team to do something different, to plant an idea in the head of one of his business rivals, played by Cillian Murphy. This is the titular Inception. But as we come to discover, Cobb's greatest enemy in this very sensitive mission is himself. The film also stars Ellen Page, Tom Hardy, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt as members of Cobb's team, and Marion Cotillard, in a role we'll probably have to talk about more obliquely. So Ben, at long last, Inception is here. To put it to you frankly, did it live up to your expectations? Well, Corey, I should preface this by saying I've seen Inception once. Right. I saw it last night, and I don't really think it's fair for me to even consider offering a balanced or lucid reaction to Inception. It's a difficult film to process. After one viewing. So right now, I don't know if it lived up to my expectations right. because I'm still processing the movie as we speak. And I've gone to the internet since about 12.30 last night or this morning, and I've gone to message boards and tried to read other theories to compared to my own theories and I've read good and bad and it's all just becoming this big convoluted mess and not because of the film inception but because of people's reactions to it sure. and they're trying to process it so I will say that I think Christopher Nolan who's a director that you and I both like and really we sort of hail him as one of the greatest contemporary filmmakers working today I think that we got that Christopher Nolan experience that we were looking for if say we did like The Dark Knight or The Prestige or even Memento. I think this is the same filmmaker that is telling this story, obviously. But I, it's so hard for me right now sure. to say whether or not I even like the movie because I'm still trying to understand it. I, I, look, I can say I liked the visuals. I liked the breakneck pace of the movie. The performances were there. The imagery, again, was just, it was beautiful. So I can say that I enjoyed the experience, but once I figure the story out, Corey, I'll let you know. Well, I mean, you're not alone with that reaction. I saw a lot of that at 
you know my screening of the theater uh, of the film and actually mutual friend of the show Phil Owen had a similar response to you in that he just didn't want to talk about it because he had he hadn't had time to process it yet so so that's I mean I think that's a fair reaction um, I want to see it again as well because I'm pretty confident in saying that I think it's great I think it's probably the best movie of 2010 so far but I'm not confident in saying that I am able to to process or understand everything mm-hmm. that happened in it because it is very very it's 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 got a lot, there's a lot going on there are a lot of layers you know sometimes literally and um, it's it's much like Memento in that way it's difficult to take it all in in one viewing not necessarily because it's a puzzle movie like I said like the prestige but just because of all of the information that is given to you in this film yeah, it, there there is a lot to process, and if you don't start paying attention from the first second of the movie, or the first scene, I guess, involving Leonardo DiCaprio and another character, I don't want to, look, I don't want to give anything away here, right. because I think that, I mean, if we were to talk about the first scene, it might spoil the experience for people, but if you don't latch on and pay close attention, then this movie is going to leave you behind, and... I don't think that there's any point where you can just kind of jump in and get what's going on unless you've seen the movie 14 times. But I didn't feel like the movie was a college lecture that sure. I had to pay attention to or else I was going to flunk the test because I do think that that might happen, but it wasn't something that I, you know, that was a painful experience, I guess, or, or one that I don't want to experience again because it's kind of like a drug where I want to get right back into it. You know, yeah. I feel kind of like, and we'll, we'll reference, you know, we might get a little more uh, into this later, but I kind of feel like Ellen Page's character, where it's like, everything else isn't good enough. I want to get back into this world, you know, because yeah. it, it, at one point in the movie, she experiences what the extractors, as you, as you mentioned before, uh, what they do, uh, building these dream worlds, slipping into the subconscious uh, of other people or herself, you know, I want to do that. I think that's that's kind of like the experience of Inception, the film, is that you're leaving yourself or leaving your reality for two and a half hours, but once it's over, you want to get right back into it. Right. I, I, I feel like I should should say, um, when we were talking about how this film might be a little difficult or, or difficult to process on first viewing... You know, we're not talking about Synecdoche, New York here. This is a fun summer action movie that happens to be a bit complicated. Um, it is a Christopher Nolan film, so when we're saying it's difficult, it's it's enjoyably so. You know, it's not something that you're you know you feel like you're going to have to pass a test for, like Ben said. Um, but I love the construction of this film for the reason that you just said. It does feel like watching the film we are entering another reality much like the characters in the film do so let's talk a little bit about i guess this basic premise of the film the construction of dreams uh as it i'd say that's pretty much like the first hour and 15 minutes of the film is introducing the audience to this premise of of these these extractors who do uh construct elaborate dreams and then uh, place these, I guess, business executives into these scenarios where they can then easily extract the information. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Christopher Nolan is building an entire mythology, mm-hmm. and he has the first half of this movie to do that, um, which sort of results in a lot of exposition and, like you said, a lot of places where if you tune out, mm-hmm. if you stop paying attention, if you take a bathroom break, God forbid, you will be lost for the rest of the film. Um, 
what about that? I mean, what, do you, what did you think? What was your experience, I guess, processing this information, or did you? What you and I talked about before coming on here and what we've read in several reviews before we saw the film, a lot of people said Ellen Page, who is this architect that Leonardo DiCaprio recruits to help build dreams, mm-hmm. so to speak, uh, she serves as the audience member. Right. Uh, she, she serves as the character that the rest of the film can basically explain everything to. And in that regard, Christopher Nolan is helping us out, or he's trying to at least. She, while maybe a little confused or daunted at first, she got it, you know, because she had to get it, or else the movie wasn't going to move forward. I wasn't moving as fast as Ellen Page here. I was still trying to process what Nolan was setting up and what all these characters understood without any problem. And so... Once they start explaining things, I kind of felt like I needed my notepad or a, or, or a notebook, and I started. I needed to write some stuff down. I needed notes to watch uh-huh. this movie to understand the uh, vocabulary, to understand their mission, what they were trying to do, how they were doing it. It, it did move fast for me, you know, and that's. It's hard for me to say that because you know this is an unusual experience where Nolan. I think a lot of people are probably going to compare uh, in the future Nolan to, like, say, M. Night Shyamalan with what he did with Lady in the Water uh, mm. unsuccessfully. Right. Um, where he constructs this world and makes his own rules and mythology, like you just mentioned, yet, again, he succeeds at it. But I'm still not really at a point where I can say he totally succeeded at it. Because, look... At one point, I just kind of felt like, okay, the movie, the movie is going 300 miles per hour. I'm not. I'm just going to kind of sit back, enjoy it, and I can't wait to see it tomorrow because I'm <laughs> scheduled to see it tomorrow. So it did move a little fast for me. But look, I, this is this is a movie that, upon watching the trailer, prompts multiple viewings. Right. Um, I gotta say, like from from frame one, I was sort of hooked into this, and I was along for the ride. I was along for whatever was happening as far as like the vocabulary and the sort of dense world building that 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 happens here. It is a little daunting, but I I felt like I got enough of it to to move to the second part of the film relatively easily, which is a great moment by the way. I was so into the movie and then they start planning, you know, their mission, the uh the the mission that leads them to plant an idea in Cillian Murphy's mind this sort of elaborate heist type deal and you realize as they're planning it that the movie still has about an hour and 15 minutes left and and when that begins it's a great moment to realize that the the climax of this movie is going to essentially be an hour Mm -hmm. um, of just straight up dream world awesomeness Mm -hmm. Uh, and and i feel like that delivered yeah it totally did and look the action sequences are on par with what nolan did in the dark knight and if you do have trouble sort of deciphering this code that Nolan is throwing out there to you, you have those to kind of lean on and enjoy before you see it again and are able to process it. But look, I didn't want this movie to slow down. I think that it was good at what it was doing, and I was going to be able to connect with it at some point, and I feel like I did by the end of last night. I think that there's a payoff in the movie that sort of rewards the audience member for sticking with it, so to speak. Nolan, he never talks down to his audience but he also sort of lets the audience enjoy what they're supposed to, I guess is what I'm trying to say. A lot of people refer to this movie as pretentious nonsense, uh, wow. a convoluted mess, trying to be too smart. 
And I can see why people would think that. I read another sort of, I guess, tweet or blurb that singled out audiences that said, okay, audiences, now you're going to have to think to watch a movie. I hope that's <laughs> not I hope that's not a problem here with Inception. So I can appreciate that. I totally do. And look, I'm the kind of person where I'm watching a director's movie and I'm immediately trying to rank it alongside his other films. Uh-huh. And with Christopher Nolan, he's made several great movies. I think his best three movies are probably Memento, The Prestige, and The Dark Knight, with The Prestige being my personal favorite. And so the whole time I'm thinking, is this as good as The Prestige? You know, like, am I, is this as good as The Dark Knight? Is that part as good as The Dark Knight? And, you know, that's just a problem that I have. That's a complex that I have. <laughs> and so that's, that, again, prompts another viewing. But let me ask you, I mean, do you think that obviously the scale of this movie is right up there with The Dark Knight, which is like the biggest scale imaginable. Do you think that Nolan was, A, hitting the same stride that he did with The Dark Knight, which I know you love, or do you think that Nolan has transcended anything that he has previously done and made what you might think is his best movie? I think he's I think he's on the same level as The Dark Knight. I'm like you, mm-hmm. I can't definitively make an opinion about Inception until I see it again. I do know that it's probably the best movie of the year so far, but that that speaks more to you know this this lame year than anything else. But I love The Dark Knight so much, mm-hmm. uh, even still, that it's hard for me to put Inception up there. I would probably rank Inception on first viewing behind The Dark Knight and behind Memento. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, again, I don't know for sure how that's going to pan out. See, and you're talking about it being the best movie of this year, and it has been a weak year considering, but really I think it's competing with one movie. And we'll get into a little bit more when we have a guest join us uh, who's a big fan, but really the movie that it's competing with, ironically, is Martin Scorsese's Shutter Island, I think. No, Um, I agree with you. Yeah, and yes, Leonardo DiCaprio is the star of that movie, and yes, it's a movie about questioning what is real, uh, what is a dream? And so it's kind of a wonder. You know, I read last night people were saying, why did Leonardo DiCaprio make Inception after Shutter Island? Right. Why did he do that? Because essentially you have such a similar character to that. And again, we're not going to give anything away, I promise. But look, I mean, you can you can watch the trailers for these movies mm-hmm. and, and get that Leo is sort of dipping in the same waters, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. And I think he's very good here. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he's better than he was in Shutter Island, because I think Shutter Island is more of a straight-up character study mm-hmm. than this would have ever been. But he is playing a similar character. The characters have similar preoccupations. Now, again, I don't want to go too much mm-hmm. into that, but, but he's he's very good here. Um, as far as doing this film right after Shutter Island, the appeal of working with Christopher Nolan was probably too great, uh, especially on such a project that, you know, as original as this, mm-hmm. as large in scale as this. So yeah. I, I don't begrudge him that. No, me neither. I think this is Leo at his best. Not necessarily his best performance, but I think it's just him doing the best work he's capable of doing. And I don't think the movie works without Leo. Some people were saying, well, what if Nolan cast his other friend, Christian Bale, in the role of Don uh, Cobb? Well, you know, we all have opinions on him now, uh, in retrospect, but I I can see that. You know, I've had trouble whenever Leo is cast in a movie now. I'm always reticent to look forward to it, because, I don't know, when I think of Leo, I just kind of have this image of the star, more so than the actor who's done a lot of great work. And every time I go into a movie, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm looking forward to the movie, but Leonardo DiCaprio is in it. We'll see what happens. And... 
by the end of every movie, he wins me over. Right. He does. And he gives a great performance every single time, and I think he does here from beginning to end. At no point did I, was I aware that this is Leonardo DiCaprio. This is a guy who bought in a Nolan script, this incredibly complex script, and wanted to make this movie. Now, as for the rest of the characters and performances, I'm wondering, who's playing on his level? And going into it, I thought, is Ellen Page the right person for this role? Is Ken Watanabe the guy that I want to watch in this movie? Can he, can he play on the same court so to speak, as Leonardo DiCaprio, or another guy that we're a big fan of, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who I thought was well cast initially. Did you think the cast brought it, I guess, to Inception, Corey? Yeah, I think they're top-notch, mm-hmm. actually. A lot's been said on the internet, because I've been sort of obsessing over this movie, too, about Ellen Page's casting. I think she's great here you know, she's really into it. She's actually doing some acting for once, which is nice, even if the character doesn't have much to do. But the standouts here for me are probably Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Tom Hardy as two, um, I don't know, tough guy members of, of Cobb's team. Two old hands. Right. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is this, like, really dapper but steely, efficient point man, I think, is, is how he's referred to. Yeah, easily the most well-dressed character in a movie right. so far in 2010. Yeah, absolutely. And then Tom Hardy just gets the, the choice lines of the film. Uh, as he, he looks like he's having a good time. He, as the forger, which makes more sense when you've seen the mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Tom Hardy, I think, is even kind of like the glue of this movie. I think that he is probably the most audience-friendly yeah. of the characters, and he, with his humor and his considerable appeal, Tom Hardy is fun to watch in general. I mean, this is the guy, for those of you who don't know, played Bronson in the movie Bronson, so you ca- you know what he's capable right. of doing, yeah. and for a little while I was kind of scared, and I thought, okay, well, yeah, he got cast in this movie, but they're not going to let Tom Hardy be Tom Hardy. This isn't his movie. He's just going to be a name that they, you know, a sexy name, I guess, that they acquired to be in it. But they let him act, man. Like you said, he is easily one of the best three characters and actors in this movie. I really thought that he helped make the experience because, number one, great performance. He's funny. And number two, he's a badass. Yes. His character is a complete and total badass. He's like a secret agent who can, you know, who's incredibly smart, who... You said as the forger, he's his specialty, I guess, is deception, so to speak, and he puts that to good use. Even when Tom Hardy's not on the screen, you think he is. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And you think Tom Hardy is giving the performance right now when he's not. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I know, I know and, what you mean. I know yeah, what you mean. but I mean, I guess you could say that's a credit to the other actors, too. Right. But I think that's also the effective, effectiveness of his portrayal. I also want to say what distinguishes this movie from a lot of Nolan's other work for me is the humor. You know, Nolan has been criticized by a lot of people in the past for having this sort of morose tone throughout a lot of his films, humorless tone. And I think that you can look at Batman Begins, The Prestige, and The Dark Knight, and you're kind of hard-pressed to find anything laugh-out-loud funny, with the exception possibly of some of the Joker's darker antics in The Dark Knight. Mm -hmm. But there are laugh lines in, in Inception, uh, and there are funny moments provided by uh, Tom Hardy, as you said. Mm-hmm. There's there's a joke involving uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Ellen Page mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. had my theater pretty much laughing. And even Ken Watanabe has some pretty good comic moments. Mm-hmm. So so that was refreshing, I think. You know, Nolan is not playing this as as dark as he could have. It does go into some dark places, but tonally, I think it's it's separate from 
pretty much anything he's done. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the one of the inspirations he claimed for the film was was a Bond movie. And with with that sort of lighthearted or more lighthearted tone, I should say, uh, I see that. I you know, he said he said he looked at looked at uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service mm-hmm. for this. I, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. I see that influence in this movie. Yeah, and you can see the direct influence with the snow sequence, yeah. especially. There's this awesome action scene or action sequence taking place in a snowy environment where you know you have characters skiing and shooting machine guns and that whole thing and yeah, it's you know, really great yeah it really is and it's beautifully shot by wally feister who again once again is on point uh with nolan they're one of the best director photographer collaborations going right now bar none but yeah i totally agree aside from the the action sequences that are easy to spot there are some thematic similarities between this and on Her Majesty's Secret Service, especially between George Lazenby's Bond and Leonardo DiCaprio's Dom Cobb. Yeah, definitely. So that was refreshing. That was that was a nice reference. Going back to the performances for a second, I can't say that I was totally on board with Ellen Page. Really? Here. Yeah. I'm you know, I, I've just, I'm at a point now where I'm very aware of every single move she makes and I think it's very deliberate on her part to yep. sort of come across as anything that isn't Juno. And I think that she succeeded a little more with the movie Whip It last year, but this time I thought, well, this is Ellen Page trying to grow up in Christopher Nolan's universe, and I just didn't really think she fit. But then I thought to myself, well, who would? Right. You know, who's, well, yeah. who's going to pull it off? And I read, you know, who he, if it's true or not, who he wanted to cast. There were names like Emily Blunt and Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah, and, I heard Evan Rachel Wood. Right. I don't think that would have worked right. at all. Or Rachel McAdams, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I just, yeah, and I'm just like, okay, well, that's a hard role to cast, uh, number one. And Ellen Page is just as capable of any of those actresses. I think she's right. highly talented. And if she's casting something, I'm going to look forward to it because I think she's a good actress. But I just didn't think... This was kind of the same way I thought Paul Dano and There Will Be Blood. I just didn't think that she could, I don't know, step up to the plate and play on the same field, so to speak, as these other incredibly talented actors. I think she pulled it off. Mm-hmm. It's not a showy role, Mm-mm. but I think she pulled it off. But it's a crucial it role. It is a crucial role. But for what it requires for for sort of, I guess, keeping this like wide-eyed sense of, of wonder mm-hmm. at, or at what's happening and what what she's being introduced to, she did well. I'm not going to say that, like, she. I'm not beating the uh, Ellen Page for best actress mm-hmm. drum here, mm-hmm. you know. I'm not I'm not calling for that or by any means, but but she did fine for what the role required. She's not the acting standout here. Uh, and we haven't really talked about the acting standout, I think, because we're trying to tiptoe around mm-hmm. who this person plays in the movie. But Marion Cotillard, for me, is the acting standout in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know what to say. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, be careful. Um, um, she looks great. Yeah, <laughs> We yeah. can say that. She's... Can I, <sighs> yeah, look. <laughs> I'm just frustrated because like, I don't <clears throat> want to give anything away. Talk about a crucial role. Um, yeah. It, it, it's very key, and we just don't want to ruin it for you. I mean, if you've read any reviews, you know... Or if you know much about this movie, you know that she does have a connection with Leonardo DiCaprio's character i won't tell you how because look i think that it's important that people go into this movie as fresh as possible sure. and i tried to i really did but i couldn't control the reviews that i read uh but no i do agree with you she's very effective and all i will say is that christopher nolan has the ability with certain actors including her to set a very creepy vibe and i think that that has a lot to do with marion cotillard's performance there were there were scenes where she just kind of looked at certain characters or looked in the direction of the camera where I was like, whoa. Yeah, no, like, 
I got the same vibe at times as I did in the dark night when you're waiting and you've got this sense of dread and anticipation about when the Joker is going to show up mm-hmm. again. I got mm-hmm. that same vibe from certain parts of Inception. Yeah, and when she did. And, I mean, even Hans Zimmer, he oh, played man. a role, too, a few times where I, you know, kind of jumped. But it, it, it wasn't that cheap, you know what right. I mean? They earned, they earned those moments. But before we take a quick break, we are going to talk about Inception some more. I will say that one thing I did have trouble with here and it didn't necessarily hurt the overall experience of the movie. My sound wasn't wonderful last night. I was in a smaller uh, theater, and it just—I don't—I didn't get the impression that we were, you know, this was a perfect Dolby uh, digital wow. surround system. Uh, you know, it, it, I got the Dolby logo, of course, going into the movie, yeah. but it just didn't sound that great. And it did not help that Ken Watanabe doesn't speak the clearest English in the world. Honestly, I. I understood maybe 50% of what he was saying. Uh I got the message. I got the idea. But he couldn't... He struggled, did he not? I mean, did he not? I I didn't get that, but it's funny that you you say you had problems with your sound because Phil Owen, again, a friend of the show, and I, as we were leaving the Midnight Show, both remarked about how perfect the sound mix was. Mm -hmm. You know, we had trouble say at the midnight show for the dark night with the with the Cobb sound mix but they were on point i thought with with inception i mm-hmm. mean it just sounded great so that's a shame that well you, you know you saw it on another screen there uh <coughs> it didn't get didn't get the, the optimal sound well, experience I, you know i'm going to see it at a rave theater tonight uh-huh. and i expect i have high standards for the rave and so i think i'm going to hear everything i'm supposed to but it's kind of like one of those dvd players where the DVD player doesn't really line up with the TV like it's supposed to, uh-huh. and the soundtrack, the music soundtrack, sort of overpowers the dialogue at times. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. No, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was kind of like how it was for me last night. There would be some very large music swells, and I couldn't even hear what they were saying. You know what I mean? And luckily, That's a shame. yeah, luckily, it, you know, the timing wasn't too off, and you know, I heard the important stuff that I was supposed to hear. But yeah, I mean that doesn't excuse Ken Watanabe when he was—he probably should have been speaking Japanese instead of English. But look, we're not through talking about Christopher Nolan's latest Mindbender Inception here. Our friend Ben Stark—he's going to drop in with his take. We're going to talk about it a little more. Again, last week I said all we're going to talk about is Inception, and you know we might—we might sprinkle a few things here and there, and to kind of give you a hint as, as to what we may talk about, uh, we'll let the the music here provide. <laughs> provide a hint uh, in that regard but uh, please do stick around when we do come back ben stark will join us this is aspect radio what do you think they do there they don't drink milkshakes i assure you 90.7 Here on Aspect Radio, this is Ben Flanagan, joined by Corey Kraft, as always. We're talking Inception. We both saw it this week. Corey saw it at the Midnight Show. I saw it last night at 9.30 at the Cobb Hollywood 16 in Tuscaloosa. And Corey, it's just going to be you and me right now. Okay. Um, ben is currently out of the game, so maybe we'll hear from him a little bit later. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about our theaters and the reaction or the vibe that we sort of got from them during and after the movie. Sure. Um, 
you know, I don't, I don't want to make any jokes about Inception and uh, about how boring people might think it is. But I'm wondering, as I'm watching the movie, what it's like to dream during Inception, because I'm <laughs> sure a lot of people are doing it. Seriously, because, I mean, I was, lo- was kind of looking around last night to see if anybody was asleep, uh-huh. you know, because it's a long movie, and there's a lot of talking involved, and it's late at night, and it wouldn't surprise me if it put some people to sleep. Uh, I was feeling a little tired, um, but I made it through, luckily. But uh, during my experience, my, during my screening last night, it was packed, it was a packed house, and there were a lot of young people in there. And I know that people have been looking forward to this. I mean, it doesn't have the reputation it does as being one of the most anticipated movies of the year for no reason at all. Right. Um, but I heard a lot of sighing, a lot of shuffling, uh, a lot of whispering, I guess. not. It, it wasn't disruptive or anything like that. I think people were just kind of genuinely confused during the movie and they wanted to talk about it. Um, but by the time it was over, after the last shot of the movie, which is key... There was an audible gasp when it cuts to black, and the reaction was generally positive. People liked it. They were high-fiving each other. A friend of mine that I was there with, he looked at me, and he held his hand. He balled up a fist next to his head, and then he exploded his hand to indicate that his mind was just blown, I guess. And uh, he was just laughing. And then another friend of mine who doesn't go to the movies very often and often hates good movies somebody said what did you think he said that was the most awesome exciting weirdest experience i've ever had and another guy whose previous favorite movie was a walk to remember going into inception (laughs) i can't explain it he said this is my new favorite movie wow of all time yeah so 100 percent, man i didn't i didn't talk to anybody last night who didn't totally love the movie so I, I was a little caught off guard by that because I really thought I was anticipating a negative reaction. People standing up saying, God, that was a waste of time or that was boring. Right. What was yours like? Uh, pretty much the same, except I would say that, you know, seeing it at midnight, um, it, it was a bit different because I, I would have expected the sighing and the shuffling, but everybody was really, really into the movie. Uh, it just appeared to me that, that they had a, just a captured audience uh, with this. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I think word of mouth in my theater was was extremely positive, and just surveying the internet, I think it's continuing to be very very positive. Uh, you know, for what for whatever that's worth, you know, on Twitter, um, word of mouth is astronomically positive, as far as I can tell. You can tell with the trending topics or what have you. Um, but people seem to really really like this movie. And I would actually posit that um, this isn't di- all that much different from The Dark Knight structurally. Um, the Dark Knight really isn't action-packed. Uh, it has a lot of the scenes of, of building tension and uh, sort of, uh, I don't know, not so much talking, but, but scenes where uh, scenes of downtime like Inception does. And I think that anybody who would be on board with The Dark Knight should be on board with Inception except for the fact that maybe The Dark Knight was based on a pre-existing property that was probably beloved to a bunch of people, and Inception is a completely original story. But but structurally, I think they're pretty similar. Well, Corey, um, let, I mean, let's talk about the big picture here. Um, box office-wise, 
look, this movie cost reportedly cost two hundred million dollars. That's the right. number that has been established, and that's that's a high amount, even these days. Yeah. Uh, even when you know something like Avatar costs five hundred million dollars, uh, so to speak, or up to anyway. Uh, and a lot of people <coughs> pretty much knew that. A- a- <coughs> excuse me, Avatar was going to deliver to some extent, whether that was worldwide or domestic it was going to make its money back mm-hmm. um i i think there's a huge question mark with inception uh in terms of making its money back domestically i think that it's going to have a solid opening weekend and i think word of mouth is going to be generally pretty positive but this is not the kind of film that i see making 200 million dollars in the united states do you yeah i do i we'll see you know, but I feel pretty comfortable saying that it will make at least $200 million. I don't know if it'll go f- much farther than that. But with a lot of people already going in saying, you've got to see it twice to really get it, and with word of mouth being generally pretty positive, I think that it'll, I think that it'll reach $200 million. I mean, look, if in 2006 Warner Brothers can push the generally pretty hated Superman Returns to $200 million. I think they can push Inception to $200 million. Uh, It's just a matter of willpower on their part, but I don't think they're going to need a whole lot of help, to be honest, because I think audiences really do enjoy this movie. I think international audiences are going to lap it up, and I think it's going to make its money back overseas alone, and maybe do even better. Because that, you know, this this kind of thing, this kind of movie totally appeals to international audiences. But but hey, you know, let's let's pursue this this line of thought. Um, I think Warner Brothers would be happy if this movie did only make two hundred million dollars, but also got, you know, ten or eleven Academy Award nominations. What do you think its awards prospects are? I think uh, technically it's going to be nominated pretty much in every category. Yeah, I, agree. Uh, I, I think it's going to get a cinematography nod, a visual effects nod. Uh, I think that. Obviously, the sound, as you mentioned, I'll find out later uh, if, if that's deserving. I assume, oh, it totally is. I assume that it is. Uh, but no, again, I think Wally Feister brought it. I think I think the editing is so crucial in this movie. Uh, because yeah, you're, the editing, Lee Smith should win outright. Yeah, I mean, what a feat, just in terms of, I'll use this word carefully, how many levels sure. you have to basically juggle throughout the entire thing. What a daunting task Christopher Nolan presented to yeah, them. Yeah, there, there is, um, there is a sequence near the end of the film about for about twenty minutes in which they're cross-cutting between three, possibly even four, separate story threads. Right. In four different locations, mm-hmm. and it's unbelievable. And you have to also consider time with this right. movie. How much time is each story, or how much time is each thread spanning? It's unbelievable. Yeah, and you know it's it's hard to comprehend while you're watching it, but you had you know I had a clear enough grasp to know that the editor not only had a headache but pulled off a pretty miraculous feat. Um, but I'm not I can't say right now. I think that like you said, if it clears say two hundred million dollars, I think that there's a very very large chance because of the critical response as well that this movie is going to get a best picture nomination. And considering that you have ten nominations, but I can't guarantee you that Inception will be a Best Picture nominee. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel hard to guarantee that myself, but I do think that it will probably not only be nominated for it, but win editing, possibly original score. I think it should, because Hans Zimmer's score here is his best in, like, decades. And and 
original screenplay because of just what he pulled off here, what Christopher Nolan has done by building this world and then by setting a really excellently paced action movie inside it. It's it's terrific. And, uh, you know, you can't really overlook that accomplishment enough, particularly in light of something like Avatar, which, let's face it, built a world but took the easy way out and set a completely, you know, pointless, ridiculous story inside that world. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd be fine with this getting a nomination. I don't mind. I mean, look, we got ten. We got to fill it up, and I know we right. got a long way to go. But you, you know, who knows if there are going to be as many? There are going to be you know ten more movies that are better than Inception. I mean, this year so far. Yeah. What What are the odds of that? Yeah, I mean, there's we're, not we're much. Lion, there's not much at all. We have no reason to think that anything is going to supplant its place on that list. Um, but the Academy works in mysterious ways. Uh, right now, I mean, if we're talking about our favorites of the year, Toy Story 3 is still my number one. Um, and Shutter Island is right there. And I think uh, just it can't, Inception, it can't help but be on the list because, I mean, what else are we working with right, here? Right. But no, it is it is a legitimately uh, a, a thrilling experience that I want to revisit it's not that i feel like i have to because i do i mean i really do feel like i have to i think you know we're gonna we're gonna need to see this several times but it is something that i'm looking forward to re-experiencing and i mean you know you loved it how many times do you think you're gonna try to see this at the theater i'm gonna try to see it again today um hopefully and then possibly at least once more after that you know the thing is I was I was going to try to see it again yesterday during the day and apart from me being a little sick at the moment, you know, I re- I started thinking about it and realized it's such an exhausting movie, not not in a bad way, but it's so overwhelming and it's just so there's so much going on that maybe that's not really what I wanted to do at that moment. That's not a slight against the movie, but I mean there's just it's just such a busy movie. It's just so <coughs> overwhelmingly epic in every sense of that word that um, me and my sort of fatigued, half-delusional, sick state yesterday that probably wouldn't have been the best move. Yeah, and uh, I guess you decided to show up, Corey. Oh, great. You on the line there, Ben? Here I am. Hey, what's happening, dude? Good morning. Good morning. Have you... I'm, uh, I'm, just, I'm uh, recovering from the midnight screening of Inception on, on, uh, on Thursday. <laughs> Still recovering from it, yeah, huh? I don't stay up late. Yeah, all. I think Corey is, too. Yeah. And not just because of the hours, but because of the movie itself. So, Ben uh, Ben Stark here joining us, uh, a friend of the program. You were greatly anticipating this movie because you are a Christopher Nolan fan outright. Uh, you're a big fan of The Dark Knight, and you like his other stuff as well. So, I mean, without wasting any time, let's jump right into it. Your reaction, your initial thoughts to Inception, and you've had some time to digest that. Digest it. I don't know if you've seen it again, but let us know, man. What do you think? Uh, I haven't seen it again. I'd like to, um, <clears throat> so that that's one big clue. Uh, how I feel about it, um, I think uh, I was I was really anticipating it, and uh, it was the first time I had been in like an opening night scenario in a long time, and the theater was really buzzing. And uh, uh, and after the movie ended, uh, after after the final cut uh, uh, to the credits, um, there was like a reaction of like almost irritation, almost like shock, like, what? And then like, uh, oh, yeah, and then like everybody just kind of like started cheering. Uh, and uh, that's kind of how I felt, and, and I was really 
happy that um, that I was in tune with everybody else uh, in the theater uh, because it seemed like everybody just knew that they saw something special um, and um, knew that uh, I don't know it was just a, it was just a good moment. So um, as far as how I, how I feel about it, it's uh, it's. Uh, yesterday I probably could have I felt like I could have gone back to the theater and watched on loop for the rest of the day <laughs> um, just to kind of let it uh, let it soak in properly but um, yeah I, I really liked it a lot um, I like how I like that it was a little it was it was basically a heist film um, and it wasn't it didn't it didn't feel like it was reaching for anything that any kind of pretension or anything like that it was just it, it knew what it was doing and uh, it, it got it done and then it ended uh it's just really clean uh uh kind of like crafty filmmaking uh yeah i just liked it a lot well uh ben I, you know i told Corey before you came on here earlier in the show that i have the problem while i'm watching a movie for the first time from a director that i admire uh whose films that i love while i'm watching it i'm immediately comparing the movie to those movies and i'm thinking to myself is this as good as The Prestige or The Dark Knight? Is it playing on the same... Uh, I mean, is it on the same playing field uh, as those? And that's wrong. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> I know that. Uh, but going back, I mean, looking back on it now, you've had a lot of time to think about it. I'm sure you've read about it a little bit, uh, read reviews, I don't know. Uh, but what is your... Are you capable of ranking this movie along? Side uh, Nolan's other films, or do you think that it would just be unfair to do that right now? Do you have to watch it again to even even think about where it might stand with those movies? Um, probably, but that I mean doesn't mean I don't have. To, I can't give it a shot. I mean, I remember with The Dark Knight, the first time I saw it, it was just kind of sitting in my brain for two days because I knew I was going to see it again. So I really didn't have much of an opinion on it. And then I saw it again, and then I was like, okay, yeah, I really liked it. But then it didn't take. It it was like Christmas time before I watched it on DVD several times and it was Christmas time before I just uh, just really realized how much I loved the movie and how how much better that, than everything else I had seen that year it was so it might be the same same situation there or it might be a different situation where I really loved it the first time and then I watch it over and over again and I say you know there's not there's not a whole lot to return to I really like it a lot but it's just not you know it's it's going to it's, it's going to slouch but um, but yeah, I would say um, man, it's hard to say. It's it's really hard to rank Nolan's movies. Um, I guess uh, let's see. I guess it would it would be probably duking out with The Dark Knight. Um, and I know a lot of people that have problems with The Dark Knight, and I think the problems that they have with that movie are probably taken care of in this movie. Um, I don't think it has the same kind of. Um, plot convolutions that a lot of people feel The Dark Knight has. Um, but, it, 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 but it is convoluted in its own way, so people might not like that. Um, I know on film spotting they mentioned that both movies are kind of talky, and uh, I think with this movie, I think with both movies it, it, it's fine and it works, but I think with this movie the talkiness is a lot more justified because there's the Ellen Page character. Um, so uh, let's see. Man, it's really hard for me to to pick between Memento, Batman Begins, The Prestige in recent years. Basically, his last his last four movies in Memento. But uh, sure, I'll go on a limb and say it's my best, my favorite Nolan movie right now. Ahead of The Dark Knight, just right now. No, okay, number two. Okay, number two. Okay, 
too hard. Right. Uh, Dark Knight's like almost my top ten of all time. So wow. It, it would, that would take a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, and look, you've seen this one time. Yeah. So, it, like I said, I mean, it, I, it was unfair to even ask you to do that. Yeah. Uh, but Without coffee. Right. <laughs> well, that's your fault. Um, <laughs> but I don't, th- I don't think this movie succeeds if it doesn't force you to question your own consciousness or what is reality as you're walking out of the theater, you know? Yeah. Uh, at any point, did you did it kind of uh, psych you into that to think, is this a dream? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Am I? When um, the uh, the sequence uh, when he first when uh, uh, I don't think this is a spoiler, but when Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character first um, starts kind of like uh, getting everybody prepped in in the in the whatever the third tier or the second tier dream when it's in zero G and he's kind of like roping them all together and getting them down the hallway. Like the, the 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 that whole process. Every time it cut to that, I was like, I'm I don't exist. <laughs> I'm a a, a a a body of consciousness floating mm-hmm. in a room. Yeah, that that part was amazing. Freaked me out in yeah. the trailer. Like I remember seeing that and being like, Whoa! Yeah. I don't. In the trailer, in the, when the fir- when that when that second trailer came out, and it was like the third or fourth foghorn noise mm-hmm. that hits, <laughs> and it like cuts to the guys floating in the room in the chairs, all sleeping, like that still blows my mind even when i watch it now and i know it what it is in context and yeah that those sequences and and the, that completely kind of took me out of it and the and the, the fast cutting towards the end or is cutting between like three different shootouts in oh, yeah. three different realities it's like it's mind-blowing yeah uh I, I called my brother after the movie last night and i freaked out because it was after watching this movie and so i'm kind of I've been knocked for a loop anyway, but he said, call me when it's over, tell me what you think. And so I called him, and he said, I said, what are you doing right now? And he had traveled from New York to Connecticut, and he said, I just got off the train. I'm in Connecticut. I just got off the train like an hour ago. And I was like, wait a second. When I talked to you, you were on the train going to (laughs) Connecticut, and that was like three hours ago, and it only takes like an hour to get there. You know, and he was like, ah, but I've been here for just like an hour. And I was like, wait, you know, and so I, I was confused. I thought the movie had like tricked me into this other like consciousness to where I had I lost all I had lost all understanding of time and right. space and all that kind of stuff. So the movie screwed with me and it turned out that I, you know, I just wasn't really paying attention to my brother. Um, but no, nah, man, when I was walking out, I was like, OK. And I told Corey this earlier, Ben. The movie, like I said, it knocked me for a loop, man. Like I, I didn't, I didn't process it all. I was incapable of doing that with my first viewing. It no, moves way too much information. Uh, yeah, it is, man. It's it's overload. And you know, again, as I said before, Ellen Page, while she's supposed to be kind of like the audience of the film, where they're able to explain everything to her. I didn't process it as fast as she did. She had to move the story along. You know what I mean? Well, like also living in that in that universe, you know, where where that technology exists, so she can get past that quickly. Uh, okay, let me ask you all this, Corey. Um, did it bother you that they didn't really explain the technology of Inception? Not at all. Okay, because I was wondering. Okay, what you know? What are these? How are they going under? And how are they wandering into people's? dreams how are they doing that I, it never really told us the directions i guess of how to use this machine that they use in the movie and how they are capable of wandering into people's 
minds. I mean, I think that's a wise choice, to be honest, because the, the movie is already <coughs> loaded with exposition. I don't think we need it anymore, you know, particularly about something that is ultimately as, as tangential as the technology. Yeah, and they they suggest that it's um, that it's some 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 kind of chemical, right? And, and mm-hmm. when they're recruiting the uh, the chemist guy, yeah. So that's that's about like the biggest clue we get. And then we see the the, the technology, and we we can just assume everything else. Ben, I love that. I ben, think I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You go ahead. I, I, I think it's great. Okay, you think it's great. <laughs> I think it's great as well. Yeah. Well, Ben, could you understand everything Ken Watanabe said? No, okay, me that's, uh, that's but that's in Nolan movies. He 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 records sound. I don't think he I don't think he does hardly any ADR. Um, and in Dark Knight, there was there's lines that I didn't get until the third time, and even in the Prestige. So that didn't bother you. Bit his accent and a little bit their the recording process. Oh, in the Dark Knight, it was the same thing. I thought, wait, man, you spoke decent English in the Last Samurai. What happened? And yeah. Corey's already heard me harp on about this a few times today, and it doesn't bother him at all. So he's probably just like. Okay, dude, you didn't understand it. <laughs> well, it, it's I, not just him though. There's, there's, there's lines several people say in the movie that I, I didn't get at all. Uh, wh- Tom Hardy, I think a lot of the stuff he said, I had a hard time with. But it's just, uh, it's it just, it's okay because it's, it all goes in. It's all information that it can. It's a second viewing piece of information. Okay. Apparently. Well, we're running out of time here, Ben. But let me ask you a couple of quick questions. Sure. Favorite performance in the movie? Um. Uh, I'm a huge Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt fan, so I'm glad he's got the, the, the spotlight, but DiCaprio, I think this is probably my favorite performance of his since The Departed. Okay, next question, and then we'll let you go. Okay. Inception or Shutter Island? Uh, Inception. Easy? Uh, and that's a great comparison. Easy? Is that an easy uh, choice? Yeah, it's pretty easy. The, the, wow. last, the last 20 minutes of, of Shutter Island where they did kind of tell you exactly what's going on, uh, that really... That, that tested my patience, but the rest of it was huh. really solid and makes up for it. But this is, from beginning to end, I, I, I wasn't aware of, of anything but the, the story. In Shutter Island, I kept having these outside um, influences talking to me. Well, one more question. How does this not win Best Editing at the Oscars? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the lottery ticket is going to, I mean, that, that might be the other other big one cats and dogs 3d yeah you got beef with the lottery ticket man <laughs> no actually i think that looks i think that looks hilarious yeah i, I that's why it's on my mind is i can't believe that i think that's going to be so funny mike epps man <laughs> mike epps is good stuff yeah well, we hope you're right yeah why wasn't he in inception so but uh yeah, for real. yeah but anyway then if he was the ellen page character we would all understand <laughs> oh god i'd actually that would be interesting well ben thanks for coming on man yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll have you on again soon. All right, Inception All right. is playing. And, oh, thanks, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Ben! <laughs> uh, Inception is playing in theaters everywhere, uh, including the Cop Hollywood 16 here in Tuscaloosa. And when we come back, we'll offer a few DVD picks and announcements, so stay tuned. I like your nurse's uniform, guy. These are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? 90.7! Jump right in here, Corey. Um, we're back on Aspect Radio. Time for some DVD picks. We just talked Inception. We're probably going to talk about Inception again uh, the next few weeks. So just, I would think so. Yeah, just bear with us. I'm seeing it again tonight. Corey's probably seeing it today or some point. 
So anyway, more Inception to come, but Corey, what you got for us on DVD? Just one. Uh, Noah Baumbach's Greenberg is now on DVD and Blu-ray. And, uh, you know, this is another one that I feel like, you know, for very different reasons than Inception, I probably needed more than one viewing to really take in. Um, ben Stiller stars as, uh, as the title character, Roger Greenberg. Um, and Noah Baumbach is the director of The Squid and the Whale and Margot at the Wedding, two films that deal with... Uh, let's say damaged characters this is a this is no exception um in greenberg uh, we have ben stiller as a 40 something who has just undergone a nervous breakdown and greta gerwig queen of the so-called mumblecore movement of of independent film uh who stars as the put upon assistant to his brother florence um they start a very awkward tentative romance and um you know, I don't really like this movie as much as I like Bombach's other stuff. I think Margot at the Wedding is severely underrated. Um, but this is, I mean, it's still a very insightful, very interesting little comedy drama with uh, heavy doses of awkwardness. I hate I missed it, and I think because, it, is it one or independent? It's uh, Focus. Focus, okay. Yeah. I wonder why it's not on the red box. Or, or does, is Focus withholding like Warner does? Um, or? Universal. Okay. Does that now? Yeah. Okay. And they do that with Netflix too. So. Yeah, that's lame. Yeah, that's um, lame. You know, I probably should have gone to the Bama Theater and I'll saw it. I'll lend it to you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate I'll it. Bring it next week. <laughs> next week. Okay. Um, that's something to look forward to. I noticed that you didn't say Chloe. I really didn't like it. I watched I Chloe. Really didn't yeah. Like it. I watched it the other night. It's bad. It's very bad. Yeah, it really is. And that's Adam McGowan's um, most recent movie starring. It's stunningly bad. Yeah, Julianne Moore. I mean, he should know better. Yeah. Liam Neeson, and who I think whose stock has gone way down, Amanda Seyfried. Well, I mean, like, maybe artistically, but as far as as far as far Hollywood is concerned, you know, having made Letters to Juliet, which was modestly profitable, and yeah. Dear John, well, yeah. which was exceptionally profitable, I'm sure she's now... And Mamma Mia, you know, bankable. I mean... Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, 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 I suspect she's more bankable than she ever was. I guess. But, I just I don't think is, she's a very good actress, man. Well, she's definitely not in this yeah. movie. She, I mean, Clo- oh, it's not good. No, and I was looking good. forward to it, you know? I haven't seen The Sweet Hereafter. Oh, it's it's great. Yeah, what I was, you know, everybody sings about that movie. I mean, it elevates Adam McGoyan into right. the so-called pantheon of, of great directors. Or contemporary directors. Right. Yeah, and, you know, people, was it where the where the... Where the truth is, or where what, the truth lies, where the truth lies, with, right? Uh, Kevin Bacon and Colin Firth and Allison Lohman. Uh, a lot of people were kind of they didn't have great reactions to that. No, th- I mean that one's not great either. But but with Exotica and with uh, the Sweet Hereafter, mm-hmm. I mean he's he's a great director. And his previous film Adoration, which came out last year, mm-hmm. is uh, is really good too. Yeah. Well, Chloe's not. No, it's not. Uh, at all. Unfortunately, because I mean you have some talented characters involved, especially Julianne Moore and Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson in probably the most unlikable role he's ever played in his entire career, uh, which is inexplicable to me. I mean, it, that wouldn't be a problem if he played it well or yeah. if he had anything interesting to do, but he doesn't. It's a lame script. It's a lame script. It really is. And I don't care. I, I don't think I'm giving anything away here, but when a guy like Adam Egoin, Egoyan, whatever, and you've got folks like Liam Neeson and Julianne Moore and this so-called, uh, you know, great young actress Amanda Seyfried, when it all basically turns into just another Fatal Attraction ripoff. Uh, uh, yeah, you're telling me, man. Yeah, I mean, why did you waste our time? 
you know? I mean, it, and not only that, it's a Fatal Attraction ripoff with no sense of humor. Yeah, none. I mean, there's no, I mean, it's not, it doesn't even have, like, the, the sort of ironic, like, hey, isn't this ridiculous sort of thing going on? No, it plays it deadly straight, you know, totally suffocatingly serious, and it is a, it is a very bad movie. Yeah, totally agree with you. It's a shame. Uh, but I'm still at it with Breaking Bad now at, I'm, I'm in the first half of season two. Tess yeah, and I are watching awesome. it. Yeah, good stuff so far, to be sure. And at this point, I'm at a point where I just want to watch every single Pixar movie on Blu-ray. I just want to go ahead and buy them all. I think it'd be a good investment. Yeah. I took a look at The Incredibles the other night, which is not on Blu-ray yet. Uh, I, I popped my standard disc in just to see what it looked like, because Blu-rays get the highest possible quality. And it looked gorgeous. Right. It really did. And I can only imagine what the Blu-ray disc is going to look like. Well, rumor has it this is going to be the last of Pixar's back catalog uh-huh. that is converted to Blu-ray because uh, so far the holdouts are Finding Nemo and The Incredibles. And the, and the rumor is that Finding Nemo will be released on Blu-ray uh, to coincide with the release of Toy Story 3 in probably November. Gosh. And we're not going to name prices here, but it's just amazing that these distributors and these stores have it figured out to where Pixar falls into that children's movie category uh-huh. and children's movies always cost way too much because they know that the parents are going to buy them for the kids right. who are, you know, and they just completely inflate it and it sucks that Pixar falls into that category. Yeah, I mean that's why I don't own the Toy Story movies on Blu-ray yeah. because they are expensive. It's a shame. Uh, opening nationwide and in Tuscaloosa at the Cobb Hollywood 16 this week, Inception, which we just reviewed, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Marion Cotillard, Ellen Page, many others, including Tom Berenger, uh, directed by Christopher Nolan. And The Sorcerer's Apprentice, starring Nicolas Cage, Jay Baruchel, Baruchel, slash Matt Scalici, and <laughs> Alfred Molina. Also keep an eye out for the Bama Art House movie series, uh, summer movie series, which continues with No One Knows About Persian Cats next Tuesday, July 20th at 8 p.m. at the Bama Theater. Yeah, I've heard good things about that one. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, if you have any feedback, you can email us at 90.7movies at gmail.com. And if you feel we've missed something or you have any suggestions as to films we can review or topics we can discuss, please do email us. I have a feeling Inception is going to be a pretty hot talking point over the next few weeks. So please uh, send us your thoughts, your ideas about the film. We'd love to hear from you and uh, talk about those on the air. You can also follow us on Twitter at, at Aspect Radio or twitter.com slash aspectradio. And download this and other episodes of the show on, your, on our blog at aspectradio.tumblr.com. Tumblr spelled T-U-M-B-L-R.com. We'll also post the podcast on Twitter and Facebook. Indeed, and don't forget to visit our buddy Matt Scalici's website, filmnerds.com, where you're going to find some cool podcasts and a really fun blog that often features Corey's reviews. Often, maybe sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, and you can catch my and Corey's columns in Tusk Magazine, found in every Friday edition of the Tuscaloosa News. And until next week, for Corey Kraft, I am Ben Flanagan. Thank you so much for listening. This is Aspect Radio. I'm going home now. I apologize for what I said. I hope you can forget it, but I'm going home right now.